I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to this edition of Voices from the Archives. I'm Morris O'Keefe. In this week's podcast, we tell the story of the survival of Enesco House, one of Ireland's historic Georgian country houses on the shores of Loch Con in North County Mayo, built in 1740s. The house is perfectly preserved and was the venue for the launch of the latest collection on Irish life and lore, The Landed Gentry in Ireland and is available to see now on our website. On the estate is now a heritage centre and was recently visited by the American President Joe Biden. And the guest house is run by Susan Kellett and her son DJ, who are descendants of the Pratt family. And in this podcast, you will hear Susan and her brother, Nicholas Nicholson, talk about the history, the family connection and the management and upkeep of Enesco House and the Heritage Centre on the estate. And later in the podcast, you will hear the story of one of the gardeners who worked there all his life that I recorded 15 years ago and gives a fascinating account of the management of the country estate house. Well, the, the Pratts, um, the, their original family home was Cabra Castle in Kingscourt in County Cavan. Uh, but what happened was that in 1834, the, the Mervyn Pratt of the day married his distant cousin, Madeline Jackson, who would be my great-great-great-grandmother. Uh, and they came to live at, at Enesco. And what it appears is that the, the, the Pratts um, preferred Enesco to Cabra. And yeah. although they kept Cabra and spent part of the year there, uh, they, they, they spent a lot of time at, at, at Enesco. So in, in the 1830s, the, the original family name was Jackson here. But in the, eight, 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 nine, in the 1830s, it became the Pratts. There was an old boy called uh, Mervyn Pratt, Major Pratt, who who had been very damaged in the First World War. He'd been damaged in the South African War, wounded again in the First World War, very highly decorated. His younger brother, who would have produced an heir, no doubt, uh, was killed in the First World War. And he had two properties, Cabra Castle outside King's Court in County Cavan, and then Innescoke, Cross Malone and County Mayo. And 
my father then came jointly into his estate with a cousin of his called Mervyn Shepherd. And in the carve up, uh, basically because my mother's family had come from North Mayo, Burke, uh, she wanted him to take the Mayo property. Well, the, the connection is that my father, uh, Jack Nicholson, was the younger son uh, in the Nicholson family, and their family home was Balrathbury in Kells in County Meath. And my, but my father inherited from his cousin, Mervyn Pratt, uh, this house, Enesco, and he inherited it in 1950. But there's a double Mayo connection because my mother whose maiden name was Burke. She, she, she was Patricia Burke, and she came from a house called Heathfield, in, in, which was in Ballycastle, not very far from here in County Mayo. Now, that house went uh, in, in the 1920s, but her family kept a holiday house on Loch On, very, very close to here. And so all our childhood, we came down to Mayo for the summer, and we we stayed in the, the, their family their family holiday home, but we visited my father's cousin, who was an elderly bachelor living in in, in this house. Uh, now my brother and I thought this was a bit strange why we were being dragged off for tea every year with this rather grumpy old man who we thought really didn't like small children very much, but. Um, there was a reason, and I think that he de- that um, Mervyn Pratt decided to leave this house to my father because he was convinced that my mother had such strong male connections that she would try to keep the house and look after it. And, of course, that turned out to be, be true because it wasn't easy to keep houses like these. Um, and, in fact, as my father said... When he inherited the house, he thought he could come and live here and have his horses and so on. He then discovered there was no money, and what he, and as he said from time to time, he earned the money in Dublin to lose it in Mayo. Yes. And it was the fact that my mother was uh, was so keen on on being in Mayo that, that that's the main reason that this house that they continued to to struggle with this with this house. 1950, he inherited, or he took on. Enesco and County Mayo when Major Pratt died and my mother then as I said before was because she had been a Burke from Mayo they'd been put out of their house which was a house called Heathfield up in Ballycastle and had come to live in Meath she was she thought it was a very romantic idea to go back down to Mayo to this property, which the Pratts owned, it originally had been called Prospect, but it was, its real name was Innisco, the island of the Hinds, where the, tra- the tradition was that the local chieftain had bred these wolfhounds. Uh, it had belonged, it had all, all that land, all that property belonged to the MacWilliam Burks, of which she would have been a descendant. So she thought it had been taken, of course, by the planters in the 17th century, so she thought it was rather full circle to get the land back. The parents took over Isco, that was the Pratt house, so that I, that I inherited, that came to me. As I said, then after I realised I wasn't going to make a go of it, and I didn't think I had the right approach to 
opening it to uh, opening it up and making it, uh, you, you know, wash its nose by um, turning it into a hotel or a B&B or whatever it was. My sister then was in England, not really, she'd been in the probation service, m much more efficient and harder working than I ever was, saying, was there any chance of uh, an opening for her at Ennis Co? So I said, not then and there, but subsequently I said, well, uh, if you wanted, you can have it. So... <laughs> So she gave me the house in Dublin, which I still have. In 2009, I visited Ennis Coe House, and there I met Johnny Dyra, who was a gardener uh, on the estate and worked there all his life. Well, Major Pratt was here that time. And his wife, and how many children? Oh, he was never married, Major Pratt. He was, a, he was down in Kingscourt in County Kelvin, because his father, Joe Pratt, had two places. He had this one and he had a place in Kingscourt at the Wishing Well in Cabra Castle. It was a thousand acres there and a great lovely castle in So there was two brothers, Major Mervyn and Joe and uh, Adley. Well, Adley, was, they were both in the war, but Adley was blown to bits in the war. He said if he stayed four hours later, all was over. And they said they couldn't, they were hungry and there was rats in the trenches and the lice and everything. The war more now, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why the, he jumped up and I was into him. But so Major Pratt then, the father left this the, this place to Major Pratt. When he was he was waiting in cabin before that, but he used to come up in the month of June fishing to Lock and he used to want to wait another way, but he wouldn't let him. He said, "Go home to your business now." Yeah. And uh, he, he was to give the other place in cabin to the Major Mervyn. Oh, I to see. Mervyn Pratt, the yeah. mother. Yeah. But that never happened, poor fella. Isn't this a magnificent garden? Really it's nice, all beautiful. My father came from Kina now, back in Kina. Yeah. And his mother came from there. He came here to Nesco, where I am now. In, he came here in 1901. Will we go down through the garden? Will he we? did. Oh, we can, yes. Yeah, yeah. Your father came here first? He did, yes. And my uncle John, his brother as well. Two brothers. And when they when they came here, they were working... What, what member... Well, John was in the yarn. He was a yarn. And my father worked in the cow house, looking after cows and calves, and whitewashing the walls. That time it was all whitewashing. Scuffling the street, because they were all cobblestones that time. Were they? Yeah, yeah, yes. And still is, but we put to put some clay over them and to make a lawn in one place here out from the house there. So you worked in this and, and uh, as a young lad I suppose you worked... Uh, oh, well, I worked uh, you, mostly you served your land. time, did you? You just... Mostly out on the land I worked. Yeah. With the tractors and hay and different things, and cattle and sheep and all that kind of thing. I used to do work here for them. If they wanted something I'd have to come and bring it to them. Yeah. I used to cut the lawns out around the house, but they cut the lawns here. The gardener and the lads that come, her son comes in helping. And uh, what kind of staff were here? How many people working for Pratt's at the time? Well, at that time, in major time. Hmm. Well, in Joe Pratt's time, there was 21 men here first, working the garden and all around everywhere, you know, and doing all kinds of work. 
Then they used to have some of them out on the drains in the winter time. They used to clean the drains going through all the woods. Yeah. He'd have two men in a drain here. He wouldn't put them together now. He'd put two in one place and he'd trade the other two some other way. Oh, look at the apple trees. And they had yeah. everything here. There was a lovely garden, surely, that time. Yeah. They had pear trees along the wall and plums and dandelions. They had everything. Rhubarb. Anything you could mention that was growing. They used to have great onions. They'd have turnips and mangoes for the cattle for the winter time. Ah, they were great. It was amazing. There was a last house here too as well. But yeah. it was blown away with the wind and it was forgotten about. Oh, yeah. that building there was a last house as well. Yeah. Well, the guy had done up a few times, but it was let go. and It should have been kept up by right. But and the big high garden wall then that surrounds oh, the, walls, the whole lot. Oh, the wall, they were built all years ago around yeah. the wall everywhere. Yeah. So again, the both walls. And every man had his own job. Like your father was here in the garden. No, my father, was, was my uncle was in the garden. Yeah, or your uncle was John. in the garden. Yeah. My father was in the yard, a cow yard. Yeah. You used to milk the cows and feed some calves and do whitewashing and bring water that time from the well and get kippings for to light the fire for the, the cook and all that yeah. kind of thing. That time. What about uh, his friends and visitors coming to the house? Oh, they 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 used to have friends coming from different places around. Well, I believe England, Ireland, everywhere, come on fishing. He'd invite them for fishing, you know, Yeah. at that time. But I wouldn't remember, my mother used to be telling me they used to come from down the north here. There was Hamilton's and there was Arkwright's and I just can't remember the names of them. You know, it's a long time ago now. And they were obviously well looked after. Oh, with, yes, with, they uh, were, yes. They were a great time. They used to love the fishing. There was great fishing on the lake that time. Yeah. You used to get a lot of trout. The Major was a great fisherman. You used to get the best of trout. Yeah. And they'd always bring my father or John on the lake, and they knew all about it, you know. They had two boats. There was one, the racing, Lily that had a name on it, was a racing boat. And they had another boat for fishing then. It was an awful big heavy boat. <laughs> <laughs> so he used to pull that one, but then they had an engine later down. But he'd rather be pulling, like for a short run across the lake, he'd get me rather to row the boat. Then they'd get the engine going if they wanted to cross the lake or whatever. You know, if they wanted to go different places for the fishing. And that was <coughs> the fishing, and then maybe during the, the early spring, maybe there was, was there shooting? Well, they used to have shoots, yeah, he used to have a shoot every year. The major would have a shoot, yes. But I was only very small that time, I don't know much about the shoot, but Susan still has the shoot here. Yeah. And I at that know. time, was there a grouse or pheasant or...? No, there uh, was pheasants, it was great, also the labour pheasants that time. But the foxes came along and they played away all together. And the pine martens and the mink came a few years ago and they were a disaster altogether. So now we have woodcock and pigeons and we have pine martens, mink, Foxes, badgers, <laughs> what have you. Oh, they just took away the pheasants on it. So there was lovely pheasants here when I was only small. It back, back in the fields, back there, they used to have, they used to have a man from up the road used to have it hired and he set potatoes in it. And the pheasants used to be out picking the, when they're digging, they'd be doing picking the small ones, they'd leave them after them, but they wouldn't be worth picking some of them. And the pheasants used to have a great time with them. 
<laughs> but I, I suppose, will we go back out here again we'll into we'll the more the formal uh, oh, yeah, garden? We'll yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Look at the the lovely arch that we have here. That that's. It is. Well, Do you remember well that being built? Huh? Do you remember that being built? Oh, I remember coming in here one time. I was only very small. The uncle told me he came. He was coming in from the glass house one day. Yeah. And what the name of God came out after about put a hawk and stuck his claws in his pullover and he was afraid to tear the face from. And of course it. Master him up, but he got away, but then the bull got away as well. He came out about here and he hit him right in the church, coming out there at awful speed after the bull. He saved the bull that year, but the hog really broke his neck in his chest. <laughs> the hog went straight into his chest. He was coming out after the bull out oh, there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't know he was coming in, of course. <laughs> but that's the fact, he told me that man in the chest. Yeah, yeah. Surely. <coughs> Johnny, I suppose you must know every single inch of this place. Oh, they did, yeah. I do. I could go down my eyes, slow it, I believe. Yeah. That's Tell the truth, and I just said, you know every blade of grass in the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I don't know, do I know them, but I went through them, and yeah. What about the, uh, the, old, the old outhouses here, then? Oh, the, yes, the, the stables. Were. We must go down that oh, way. Oh, yes, we can walk here, but we don't land here. Yeah. It's a nice carpet for us. Isn't there? It's beautiful. Yeah, no, it's, it's lovely. It's soft. Nice, no. Yeah. yeah. These are the, these are houses first now. Here, they're nearly all houses. And there was a place below the fair end where they had a bin and they used to have grain in it for the horses and bran and the steel bin. They had a man here looking after the castle. He was Michael Murphy, God rest him. He was a neighbour of mine down the road. But he was... I just remember him used to come into the house and he'd come up, he'd looking after the cats and he'd come up and he'd come in singing for us and he was a great man for the library, reading the books and... We'll see, we'll see. I was very nice, so yeah. I remember that well. Well, he was looking after them that time, but then later down then was Anthony McDonough from back in Creve. He was looking yeah. after them. And they used to come a man, he was McDermott, I think was his name, he used to come by in them. And they'd have them brought on the road now there where they're coming at the, the gate line, at the little road below that. They'd be holding them there on the road, but there wasn't very little care of that time. And the man would come and pick you up whatever ones he wanted to buy, and he'd buy them. And the man would have two or three lads ready with him to bring them, to walk them to Bellinay and get them on the train. Yeah. To bring them wherever they wanted them, to Dublin or whatever, at that time. But you wouldn't be on the road too long, now, would you be? <laughs> <laughs> Before I, forget to, before I forget to forget this, uh, all the people that worked here uh, yes. down through the years, oh God, there was you a, know them all. And there was a lot of them. Oh, Jesus. So, so, okay. We, they're all mostly neighbours now, you know. Yeah, yeah. Starting you now with in the house itself, the, 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 the maids, uh, including your mother, I mean, she oh, was yes, one of the ones. Yes, she was. Who, who, who was working with her there? There was, was a relation of her. She was a cook from, from Cavan as well. Jenny Corrigan was her name. She was the cook. Well, those other girls from back behind Cross Malina working here. There were Leonard's four sisters at different times working in the house. And there was a girl the name Leslie Summer from up in, I think it was Manor Hamilton or somewhere up there she was from. She used to work here as well. But then later down then when Susan came here, she got the girls from roundabout, you know, the young ones that be home from school and holidays to be working here. And then the other girls as well coming in every day. They were married when back different places as well. Oh, and, and during the Major's time, in, uh, oh, here, uh, out in the yard? Uh, oh, yeah. That was, yeah. Well, Jenny Corrigan was in the Major's time. She was from Cavan. Yeah. 
She was a relation of my mother, in fact. And, um, and who was helping you uh, out in the land and the farm? Oh, there was um, there was a uh, there was William Murphy, Mikey Lynn, Paddy Cleary, Mickey came his son came work with me then. Well, Paddy was with us at the same time, but we had a lot of cattle. We we had to get extra help, you know. But what were they? I used to separate the milk. My father used to do that before I came along. With the, with the separator, separator in the yeah. hand. Did they have a separator here? The they hand, did, yes. The working hand. it away. The hand, yes. Well, how do you do? Hello. Oh, yes, the hand. Oh, lovely separator. Cut off nice separator, my goodness. Yes, <laughs> 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 well, thank you. And it must, it, you must be making some fine, I have nearly forgot about it. Oh, they were the hot houses as well, the new houses are built. Yeah. In here, there's three of them. Yeah. Where they used to have the John. There was a bench here. There was a bench in here, built up, and the separator was bolted on when I'd be separating it here, you know. And then they used to bring the cream in here. That's it. And in this final part of the survival of Enniscoe House and the estate, we return again to Susan Kellett. Here in Enniscoe now, you're managing uh, this estate. Do, do, are you st- is there farming going on here? Or, or what happens? How do you keep it? Well, the, the 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 main way of keeping it is the business in the house, which which, which is doing accommodation and dinner, bed and breakfast. There isn't enough land here to 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 keep to keep the property, uh, and in fact, uh, the, to, I let some of the some of the land. Uh, the, mainly, what I do is manage the the uh, forestry and, and and the timber. Again, it's it's very small. There's under two hundred acres left here after the many acres that went over over the years. And um, it's it's a question of managing. I mean, for example, uh, the the Heritage Centre is set up as a separate company. Now they don't pay me any money, but they manage that part of the property, and indeed have taken over the uh, organic uh, vegetable garden. And um, I manage the other gardens, and there's a there's a visitor centre there. And without grants over the years, it wouldn't have been possible to, mm-hmm. to, to, to keep it. And this is the difficulty with these sort of houses, where the amount of land drops, and there isn't sufficient income from it, and you have to, you have, to have an alternative income or find other ways of generating it. Uh, well, it started in the 1980s, um, okay. and, when the, and by the um, 1992, we had got funding and we had opened, uh, uh, President Mary Robinson was able to come yeah. and open the Heritage Centre here. Now, before that, they'd had rented premises in the, t- in the village of Crossmalina. Uh, they were in the old schoolhouse where we were running an indexing programme. Um, And so we managed now again, underlying that, although it is, um, it's very much community based, what it was doing was on the the, on the back of the family history research, which was what was bringing in the income. Mm -hmm. And that was providing local community involvement, interest, and employment. Of of course. Uh, And so many people nowadays want to 
discover their roots and yes, where they came yes, from. And, yes. And, well, know, now it's completely done. I mean, in the early days, I was doing some of the research my, myself. Yeah. Um, and um, but now, of course, it, it, it's all indexed yeah. that, that we, we have a professional researcher okay. uh, attached to the center out there. And as I say, the 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 big one is the is the, the website Roots Ireland, mm. uh, which people can go on to. Now, some people may come directly to Mayo to do their research. Okay. Others will go online um, and go through Roots Ireland and will maybe get enough there for what they want because the records are up or maybe from there will be uh, directed to the local centre here. Okay. Because that, the centre here covers half of County Mayo with another office down in Ballinrobe doing the other half of Mayo. And coming from uh, a staunch uh, Anglo-Irish background, did that come against you at any stage? Uh, it it did and it didn't. I suppose I'd had a, a fairly uh, be, because I'd had a, a different sort of career because I'd been in um, I was a trained social worker and had been involved in that side and um, wasn't directly inheriting the property. Uh, I and because I then just chose to ignore it and keep working anyway. Um, I think. Um, Yes, it's there, and you you would occasionally, even today, some, mm. somebody would say, oh, well, you know, that's the big house. Uh, but um, you just manage it. You okay. just manage. And uh, was it worse than what it is today now? Um, I think, well, if you're talking particularly about this mm. place, it was more an unknown quantity. Yeah. Now, Mervyn Pratt had always had good relationships um, but you were saying people, local people, were afraid to come in here uh, during they, these They just, time. they didn't come in here. I mean, for for example, the the um, the local school, Gortner Abbey, which was run by by the nuns, the Order of Jesus and Mary, they had um, a tradition that every, I think it was, uh, I think there was a date in June or July, they would bring all the school ch children up by invitation to visit the gardens. I see and Mervyn Pratt would show them round um, and give them fruit and flowers to take away with them. Now, they continued that a bit after my parents came in until the gardens fell into such disrepair yeah. <laughs> that the nuns gave up. On, on one occasion, um, of course, by that time I'd taken over the farm and was doing bits and, bits and pieces, uh, we needed a part for the, the tractor. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was a vital ring that linked link one piece with another. So I went into the local hardware shop where the, the, the owner was a very cantankerous and elderly old man um, who did, didn't have the best reputation, but he was the one who would have the, have the piece. So I went in and I had the sample and I knew exactly what I wanted. And I said to him, I want this piece. And he looked at it and he looked at me rather disbelievingly and said, well, you, you, you don't really know what, what, it, what it is. And I said, no, that's the piece I want. He said, well, bring the boss in. And I said, sorry, I'm the boss, and this is the piece. <laughs> <laughs> the contents and the interior is also very important. Um, would you agree? 
Uh, yes, I, I, I would, and I think I think there's a number of things. That this, now, a lot, a lot of things have gone out of this house because my brother and I had to do a certain a certain division. But the the I think what's very sad is when you get a house when it is a historic house, um, and it's been completely emptied, and somebody may come come in and do a very good job of refurbishing and refurnishing, but it's not really the same as mm -hmm. the generations leaving their bits and pieces. Um, now, a lot of stuff will get lost, but a lot, of, but quite a lot will, will survive. And certainly, if you have visitors coming to this house or any historic house, uh, it's, it's not just looking at the house and the architecture, it's, it's the history and the, and the, and the story. And how important is it to you to to keep this together and and the uh, not just the place but also the the the, the, uh, the archives the the library the papers the the history. Well, I'd have I'd have a particular interest my, myself in, in in doing it, and um, you know, apart from this house, I was very involved in the Irish Family History Foundation and setting up. Uh, the the national network of research centres and we have one out in our heritage centre that covers half of County Mayo with another office down in Belden Robe doing doing that bit. So I'd have a personal interest in the history and I have uh, my brother started quite a lot of work in in researching the, the the different family lines and I took that over from him. So uh, and we we've written various various bits and pieces for our, ourselves. So I'd know the history of of the house pretty well um, and and would would take take an interest in in that I must say coming here and talking to you about the the history of your family was indeed an absolute uh, pleasure and thank you so in this podcast you've been listening to Nicholas Nicholson recorded in January 2020 Susan Kellett recorded in June 2014 and Johnny Dyra recorded in 2009 and has since passed away. All these interviews are available on our website, irishlifeandlord.com. My name is Maurice O'Keefe, and I look forward to bringing you another podcast next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.